You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. I guess everyone uh, is entitled to their day in court. I remember the last time my brother had his day in court. I remember feeling really nervous about it. I remember getting up and putting on what I thought was going to be appropriate clothing. I remember driving down to Brighton because he having to go to court in Brighton. I remember desperately wanting to find a car parking space because actually I really wanted to be in on time. I remember getting through the door and as I got through the door, my older brother was there as well because we both wanted to support our younger brother. In fact, as soon as we sat down, my father came through the door as well and we're all sat in this waiting room in a court waiting to go before the judge. I remember then going in before the judge and everything changed. You see, the reality was my brother was adopting and as a family, we wanted to adopt this child as well. There was 26 of our family in court for that day. So when the judge says, this one is now a Cornford, all 26 of us wanted to sign the form. Because we wanted to say, this one is welcome to us. We're going to be looking at this Father Heart series today at the thing of adoption. I don't know what that conjures up in your mind. When I say the word adoption, what do you think of? Maybe you were adopted. Maybe your family has adopted. Maybe you know others. We're looking at this whole series of what is the Father. In fact, Adam read from the words that I'm going to be reading from this morning, Romans 8. If you've got a Bible, please look it up. It's always great to get a hold of the Word of God. It will be coming up on the screen as well. Romans 8, verse 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I've often talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts of the life of Jesus. Just in John, that's one of them. God is referred to as Father 100 times. In fact, if you went the Father, it's another 73 times. This is a very strong biblical picture. The first week we looked at the unconditional love of the Father to us. I know last week Richard talked all about that we are heirs with God because of what he's done. Today I want to look at this whole picture of what does it mean to be adopted. You see, when Paul was writing this to the church, the Greeks and the Romans both practiced adoption. The Jewish people, not so much. But if we're really honest, it was right in the heart of Jewish culture. In fact, it's such a strong biblical theme, the theme of adoption, that I think we could find it the whole way through the Bible. Let's go right back to Adam and Eve. Tragically, I think that they've opened the door for many of us to have what I would describe an orphan heart. 
You see, Adam and Eve, we honestly believe in the Bible, were created to have this perfect relationship with God. But instead, they decided to do their own thing, go their own way. That's a classic orphan heart. You never really feel at home anywhere. You're afraid of trust. You're afraid that you're going to be rejected. You're afraid to be open up and receive love. An orphan heart refers to separation and shame. We see that with Adam and Eve. Basically, sin came in and it separated them from God. It separated them from each other. They felt shame. It says literally, you know, they wanted to cover themselves. Do you feel shame? What's the difference between guilt and shame? Guilt is negative feelings about what you've done. Shame is negative feelings about who you are. And there's a difference there. Guilt says, I regret what I've done. Shame says, I regret who I am. Guilt says, I've made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. And I think what happened is so often this orphan heart goes for this whole sense of shame. We go through several stages working out this whole, whole process. I think that we can often see it with our own children. They tend to focus on the faults of parental authority. They get disappointed, discouraged. Grief gets involved. We lose basic trust in parental love and authority. We then become independent, want to control our own relationships. Our relationships become superficial. Golly, I could get myself in trouble this morning. I sometimes think has social media been born out of an orphan heart? You could be my friend on Facebook as long as I want it. When I decide the friendship's over, I delete you. I can keep you at a distance. I can only let you see the bits I want you to see as a friend. Is that really a sense of being known? Or is that almost this orphan heart? We're looking this morning at the fact that we go, when we're adopted, from being slaves to being sons. Sons and daughters of God. I know this sermon starts challenging. It will get better. I trust we'll be full of faith by the end. You see, there's a huge difference between being a slave and being a son. And I've I've tried to do a chart here this morning that hopefully would help us understand. You see, if you... uh, act like a slave or an orphan towards God, you tend to see God as a master. But if you're a son, you see God as your father. Just think about it for just a moment, and now you won't be able to, I'm sure, go to it. If I said to you, oh, pray, what's the first word that you say? Father? Would you say Lord? And sometimes I think, oh, does that reflect that we see him as a master or as we see him as a father? You see, our dependency, the way we depend, we become independent and self-reliant if we're slaves. But actually, if we're sons, we're interdependent and there's a sense of community. Because that's what sons do. That's what families do. We're connected. If we're a slave, we tend to be insecure. We try and cover up. If we're a son, we know there's peace and we're accepted. We're loved. How do we go for approval? Well, if you're a slave, you're always striving for praise. Notice me. If you're a son, you're content in Christ. 
Your self-image, if you're a slave, it often tends to be low and you reject other people. But actually, if you're a son, you're positive and you're affirmed. I could go through a whole list of this. How do we go through life? If you're you're brutally honest, do do you behave as an orphan, as a slave, or do you behave as a son? Now, if you're visiting us today, I'm not having a go at you, but if you call this your home, I'd like to have a little pop. <laughs> you see, I think the orphan tends to be detached and keep away. And so even like we've just started meetups, which are small groups midweek. Are you signed in because you're a community? Because you're a son? Because you feel at home here? Or do you think, no, I don't do that. I keep my space. I'd rather not go. I'd rather people didn't get to know me because actually I'm not quite sure they like me when they find me out. Even when it comes to church, oh, do we become casual about it? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. You see, a slave is competitive or jealous in their relationship, whereas a son is full of humility and unity. Are we there saying, come on, I really want to reach out and connect? The offering's done. You'll have forgotten this by next week. But if you come here regularly, I'd like to have a little pop. You see, the orphan thinks, I haven't got enough, so I hang on to my money. The son thinks it all belongs to my father. He'll give me some more next week. I mean, that, that's the difference, isn't it? And so it, it can almost come around and we think, oh, no, I'm, I'm not sure I can afford it. Or we can think, Father, I'm trusting you. You see, it impacts the, our everything. If we understand, same as bringing this thing earlier, what is our identity, it flows out to everything. So this adoption should totally change the way we connect to one another, the way we handle our money. Or oh, one more. Let's just stand on one more toe and then I'll move on to the next point. If you honestly say, look, I'm a Christian, but I've never got baptized. Why is that? Because actually as an orphan, you hold yourself to yourself and you just keep your distance. As a son, you say, look, I'm part of this community. I'm loved, I express it. Whereas actually an orphan says, no, I'm not too sure. No, in fact, I, I, you know, it, it's not going to work out. I think, how do we genuinely say, if I'm adopted and loved by him, it changes everything. Jack Frost is a pastor says this, genuine sonship gives honor while an orphan heart takes honor and dispenses dishonor. Oh, I think, God, if I, if I really knew that I was loved by you, I could give away honor. I was chatting to someone just this week who's looking at the whole thing of Christianity and saying, do you know, I've just realized I can forgive quicker. It's easier to forgive. Oh, why is that? Because actually I'm beginning to receive something of God as a father who loves me. Surely I could be loving other people. That's the beauty of it. You see, this picture, and this is where I'd like us to turn the corner and start getting more positive. This was a picture of adoption that actually God had done for his people right throughout the Old Testament. You see, if you think about it, the the nation Israel was adopted by God. This was a picture of how God loves people, chooses a people for himself. God decides to adopt Israel. Yet before they uh, sort of went into this relationship, they were slaves in Egypt. I mean, literally, physical slaves. And God says, I choose to adopt you. 
at the Exodus, he's freeing them from their past. He's taking them out of the authority of Pharaoh. He's declaring Israel as his firstborn. At Sinai, they come under God's authority. And under Abraham, you know, there's this thing, I'm going to give you this inheritance. And Moses then takes them into it. God didn't choose them because they were the biggest and most powerful, but probably the weakest and smallest. But God takes this picture and says, I choose you. In fact, we can read about this in some of the prophets in the Old Testament. Jeremiah says, how gladly would I treat you like my children. This is a prophet speaking to the people and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. God is expressing his heart and his heart was, I love you and I want a relationship with you. I want you to know you're adopted. But why are you turning from me? It says in Hosea, another prophet, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. I mean, what a beautiful picture. You know, there's almost been this thing, oh God, it all gone so horribly wrong with Adam and Eve. But then if you go through the Bible, you just see actually God says, I love you. I love you. I adopt you. I mean, that's incredible to me. And then Paul picks this up. Adoption, he says, is an act of God whereby we are made members of his family. Don't you love it? We're made members of his family. In the book of Galatians, this was a church that Paul had established and he's writing to them. And basically what had happened is after they'd become Christians, some people came in and said, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And they said, no, no, no. What you've got to realize is you are adopted as a child. Galatians 4 says this, when he'd set the time and fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit calls out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. This, this to me is the whole difference between religion and relationship. Religion is we try and be slaves to God. If I could possibly be good enough, then maybe God will accept me. Whereas actually what this is, is God says, I accept you and I choose you before you've done anything. I mean, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Paul writes to another church in Ephesus. They were reaching out. He says to them, you are adopted. In, in Exodus one, uh, Ephesians sorry, 1 verse 5, in love, this is talking about God, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. You see, this whole picture that Paul is trying to convey, which I'm trying to get over to this morning, is God says, I love you. I love you. My brother's adopted three kids. So I guess in our family, it's been quite a sort of image, really. I remember hearing one time he's telling a story about, you know, even kids can be quite spiteful on the playground, and one of them saying, oh, you're not from your parents. And the kid confidently replied, your parents had no choice with you, but mine chose me. (laughs) I thought, what a great feeling, you know. Fancy knowing that, isn't it? I'm not trying to put you down if you sort of know your natural parents. (laughs) 
But they had no choice with you. But adoptive ones, they said, come on, I want that one. That's how God feels about you. Oh, my dad wants me. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, and I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters. The, the church in Corinth was a church that was getting so much wrong. But actually, do you know what he said? He said, look, I'm not coming in to beat you up. He'd written one letter. He may have written a second letter. We definitely think he'd had a visit in between. What he comes to say is, actually, the most fundamental thing is this. I want you to know, God says, I adopt you. I adopt you. I choose you. I love you. You are mine. And so I've produced an, another table this week. I know I don't very often do these. Just trying to see how there's this picture of Roman adoption that Paul was writing about and how it reflects to us as being children of God. You see, in the Roman tradition, a father used to choose to adopt a son. That was how it was going. So when was Paul was writing to this, you know, they would literally think, who could I choose? Who would I want to have? The Bible describes Abba, Father, deciding to adopt us. It's funny, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I don't believe I chose God. I believe he chose me. He chose me. In the Roman tradition, the adopted son was a slave before he was adopted. The Bible says that spiritually we were slaves before God adopted us. In the Roman tradition, what they used to do is you used to go to court there and three times they would say, if I were you to buy a slave, I'm going to buy this slave for so much. And then the parents would say, no, no, I'll pay that. And then he'd say, I'm going to buy this slave for so much. And they'd give it. And then the parents would give it back. And on the third time, they'd give the money and it never got given back. And it was almost like this seesaw saying, oh, we're going to pay you. Oh, you can have the money back. We're going to pay you. Now, actually, eventually the father paid, settled. They, they took the money. And actually, we know, don't we, that our adoption is paid through the blood of Jesus Christ. The adopted son had been set free from being a slave before in the Roman tradition. Our adoption gives us freedom in Christ. In the Roman tradition, if, if you had known your father before, you were no longer under his authority. You were now under the authority of God. See, this changes everything because we do believe there is evil. We do believe in a devil that causes people to do bad. But actually, we're no longer under that authority. We've now been adopted by God. The magistrate used to declare in the Roman times, this one is now adopted. God declares we are his beloved child. They used to be under the authority of the old parent. They're now under the authority of the new. They used to be in the old family. They're now in the new family. Do you know what? All previous debts were cancelled when you were adopted in Roman times. So if you'd racked up a load of debts and somebody adopted you, all debts cleared. You're now adopted. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal how they understood adoption. I don't want to bore you because, I mean, I just found it quite interesting. There was one Roman emperor that adopted sons. They often used to adopt them so they could inherit. This was their way. They'd always pick someone and think, oh, God, I'd like them to inherit. <laughs> Not sure about my own flesh and blood. And so they'd adopt someone. Well, this guy adopted somebody and he wanted him to literally inherit everything. The tragedy was that he ended up falling in love with the daughter. 
And so they got a whole, um, the whole court agreed that they could have, get married. Although he was adopted and he wasn't a physical son, they said, no, because in our eyes, you're now such a part of that family, you couldn't marry your sister. And so the court had to say, oh, actually, we recognize you are adopted. You can still marry your own sister. Because their, their thinking was this. When you become adopted, you are totally in this family. You're totally enmeshed and a part of it. This is who you are. But that's the picture that Paul is saying. Now, you might be sitting this morning and think, oh, yeah, I just don't know if I'm good enough. Hey, but you were here. You've now been adopted by God. You see... Everything I look at here doesn't talk about the son. It talks about the father. And our problem still is that we turn up and think, what has my week been like? And it's something God's done. Mark Stibby, he's an author. He's written several books on this. I found them very helpful. The benefits for an adopted child in Paul's day were huge. The boy received a new father, a new family, a new fortune, and a new freedom. And in the process, he was set up for a new future. I mean, that's what, that's what we're saying to you. If you understand that you're adopted, you've got a new family, the church, a new fortune, the blessings and the inheritance that you have in Christ, a new freedom. You are set up for a new future because God's adopted you. Brennan Manning, he was an author and a priest. He said this, Christianity consists primarily not in what we do for God, but in what God does for us. The great, wondrous things that God dreamed up and achieved for us in Christ Jesus. Adoption is not, oh, what have I done? It's what has he done? The Bible tells us about one son that wasn't adopted. Jesus Christ. He was not adopted. He was always the son of the father. He'd existed from all eternity in an intimate relationship with the father. And yet what is so ironic is the one son that you could say in the Bible, he chose to become a slave for us. Paul writes to the church in Philippians. Chapter 2, he says, Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, this is Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus the Son became a slave. Jesus the Son washed the disciples' feet, which is what a slave would do. Jesus the Son died on a cross, which is the way slaves died. Jesus became a slave that we might become sons and daughters of the king. J.I. Packer, who's a British theologian, says it's like a fairy story. The reigning monarch adopts waifs and strays to make princes of them. But praise God, it's not a fairy story. It's hard and solid fact. You see, Adam had made us slaves. But Jesus comes and makes us sons and daughters of God. I mean, we're adopted. You know what I'm saying? So this court case I told you about, we're all in our sort of smart party gear, really. As soon as we finished the court case, I think it was my brother's house we went back to, and there was a bouncy castle, and there was helium balloons, and there was party food. There was 26 of us. There was lots of kids all involved. 
You see, what has happened is someone's been adopted in the family. Let's have a party. Why wouldn't you? You know, it's now part of our family. That's how God feels about us this morning. We get to know God like Jesus did. That's what adoption means. We get to know God like Jesus did. I mean, that just seems too good to be true. Well, it says in Mark, Jesus prays. And what, what term does he use for God? He says, Abba, Father. All things are possible. You see, what he suddenly did do in this most intimate prayer is he used the term that the Spirit gives to us when we're adopted. What are you supposed to call God? Abba, Father. So suddenly the intimacy of Jesus becomes our intimacy with God. Those who deserve death are granted life. William Barclay, who's a Scottish minister, bit of a long quote this. It's all coming up here anyway. It was Paul's picture that when a man became a Christian, he entered into the very family of God. He did nothing to deserve it. God, the great Father, in his amazing love and mercy, has taken the lost, helpless, poverty-stricken, debt-laden sinner and adopted him into his own family so that the debts are cancelled and the unearned love and glory inherited. I mean, I think, what a great picture. <laughs> you know, like, you're debt, you're broken. Hey, you turn up at church, that's what the preacher's telling you. You've got nothing. You're a slave. But actually, God says, I want to adopt you as a son, a daughter of God. And so when I look at this father heart, it, I think it changes everything. Okay, we're going to finish. I know we're going to be praying. I've run out of time. How does it change things for us? Well, it changes things for this, how we approach God. Do you approach God as just this master, this tyrant, this demanding, all-powerful that watches you everywhere and you can't get away with anything? Or do you come to him as a father? He says, I adopt you. <laughs> as a father, I love you. It must impact our relationship with him. Some of us, if we're really honest, we get a little bit stale and we forget this. We go, oh, oh, he's a father. You're studying for your A-levels. He says, I'm your dad. I'm in your corner. I'm for you. I think it must challenge us the way we do church. We don't want to be a bunch of orphans in a room that are all retreating from one another. We want to be those that reach out because we've adopted children together, aren't we? I mean, I love that, don't you? Every shape, size, color, nationality, we're all adopted together. Because we've all got one father. I think it should challenge us as a church about fostering an adoption. Because I think this expresses something of the gospel. I know Rich has done loads in stirring us about this. Some of us had the, the privilege on Friday of putting on a games afternoon. Kwame, I'm not sure if he's around this morning, had organized an incredible time just for some of the foster kids in the borough. And I think, well, actually, we should be more and more engaged in this because this reflects something of the gospel. I guess my final challenge would be this. You might have held out on God for a long time. 
You might even be sat in now and saying, oh, that all sounds very nice, but if I'm totally honest, Pete, I'm still the orphan. I've never said to him, look, I'm sorry, and I want to be adopted into your family. And I know that um, Adam and Nikki will just lead you in a way of responding to that and just thinking, actually, I don't want to be an orphan anymore. I want to be part of the family too. I tell you, if you make that choice, I can promise you helium balloons and bouncy castles. <laughs> because actually we love seeing people join the family.